Welcome to the Global Trading Podcast. I'm Terry Flanagan, the editor of Global Trading Magazine and the managing editor at Markets Media Group. Today, we are talking about what does the future for security services business look like? Pleased to have on the program Luke Renard, who is head of financial intermediaries and digital transformation, Asia Pacific for BNP Paribas Security Services, and David Braga, who's the CEO, BNP Paribas Security Services, Australia and New Zealand. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Terry. Hi, Terry. Thanks for having us. Okay, just uh, want to jump right in here and uh, throw out a very straightforward question. We're, lo- we're looking at the topic of, of what does the future look like for security services business. Now, now, both of you have many years experience in the industry in Australia, Asia, and Europe. Do you see the needs of the market changing? And if so, how? And how are providers evolving to meet those needs? Thanks, Terry. Um, it's David speaking. I might answer that first. Uh, for me, some things haven't actually changed. The base requirements have, have remained the same in terms of what's expected from a security services provider. So all the core processing of trades, of cash, of corporate actions, the expectations around that being accurate on time with a high straight through processing rate and a low cost. So some things actually haven't changed. But across across the market, there are other things that have, have changed. Um, so the drive for all of the investors and, and asset owners to generate returns have pushed as, have pushed investors into more complex assets that still need to be supported for all of those activities. Um, in, in the recent past, I've had a client who actually wanted to start trading water titles around Australia. And so what you have to do in terms of settling trades, what sort of registration process, all of those can start to get quite complex as investors start to think about the types of assets that they're looking to hold. Uh, so, so some of that has been changing for us uh, as investors go wider on the on the risk return curve, uh, the technology that's being used is also driving us into alternative platforms. Uh, so, a great example of that for us is BMP Paribas um, was uh, with the um, uh, the new New Zealand exchange, the NZX, uh, where last year we were um, accredited as one of the first depository participants. Uh, and so, as technology has brought new players into the market. Uh, we have to set up um, and, and interface into those participants as well. Uh, and so there's always work that we've got to do on that front. Of course, the regulatory environment continues to develop, whether that's around anti-money laundering, um, KYC, so know your client obligations, uh, and then license obligations are always shifting. And here in Australia, there was a new bank executive accountability regime introduced by the regulator last year. And so the the regulatory environment is toughening up um, all the time for us as well. And at the same time as this, there's the market market pressure. Uh, So the cost pressure on our clients then pushes the margin pressure through the whole value chain. And so, of course, there's an expectation that we're all able to do uh, everything I've just described and keep our costs down and and ideally reducing over time as well. So that means that as a provider, we've got to be continually adapting into that environment. Uh, and what we've actually seen is that some uh, providers have chosen to exit rather than continue to invest in that way. Um, in a market, especially one like Australia, 
and New Zealand, you, you have to have global scale to be competitive and you've got to be able to bring that global scale into the market and make it effective on a local basis. Uh, and so there's a lot of uh, work that needs to be done to do that. So some of the things we've been looking at in terms of how we can do that really well uh, include integrating our services and, and uh, examples of that that we've looked at is how to better integrate our local custody service with our global custody uh, to take out um, uh, time delays and, and um, uh, things, that, things that tend to uh, slow down the process in between those interfaces. Uh, and we're also looking at how we can bring the sell side and the buy side together uh, across our business and so generate extra value for both the sell side and the buy side uh, through the clients that we support uh, and potentially look, for example, at um, uh, allowing book-to-book uh, -book transfers for activity between the clients on each side uh, and, and therefore um, uh, reduce the total cost for them of market activity. So that's, that's some of the dynamics that are going on for us uh, that we've had to respond to in the market. Luke, anything to add on that? Yes, Terry, and, and to echo and complement uh, what David was saying, uh, we are in a very competitive industry. Uh, and, and this industry is driven by its capacity to invest uh, and to continue to invest uh, into technology. Uh, and this is where a situation like, like, like today with the COVID situation is stressing uh, some of the model of our, our competitors and our peers. Uh, because you need to have the capacity to invest uh, almost at any point of time. And for that, you need to have a very well-balanced model, uh, which is helping you to have a sustainable uh, uh, capacity to invest. And, and we see uh, this uh, consolidation happening in US uh, and in Europe in the past. I strongly believe and personally believe that we'll continue to see consolidation uh, across Asia-Pacific uh, in the years to come. Uh, we saw people exiting market um, uh, and exiting, I would say, their position in Asia-Pacific because at the end of the day, there is only two ways to survive in our industry. Either you are a niche player or you are a scale player. If you are none of them, uh, you can fall in what we call the valley of death. Uh, which is you become irrelevant, your capacity to invest is limited, uh, and therefore you cannot cope anymore with the sophistication of your client and their new needs. Um, David was mentioning about water titles, but we see also growing interest into digital asset, uh, tokenization uh, of asset, digital currency. So we need also to cope with all these new investment, with all these new asset classes, our clients are looking for yield. They are looking for automation. They are looking for, I would say, real-time data and more important, information. And our capacity to invest helps them also to achieve their own goal. So uh, I believe that uh, we'll see... Uh, further consolidation in our industry in the years to come, especially in this part of the world. Okay, now, now some of your comments were forward-looking, but if I were to ask uh, specifically, uh, what is your view on what the future might look like for the security services industry? 
particularly in light of the upheavals we've seen in, in the market and on a macro level over the past few months. Uh, yeah, thanks, Terry. Uh, for me, these periods of disruption that we've seen uh, actually press fast forward on the cracks that were already there. Um, so providers with any strategic vulnerability are likely to be exposed. Uh, so that, that could be because, as we've been saying before, they, they're subscale. Uh, they may have a poor value proposition or older technology. Um, and so that's all, that's all going to come to fruition now uh, and be exposed in a new way. Um, for, for me, in terms of where we're going with the future, uh, a lot of our future is going to be driven by the quality of our people. Um, I, think, I think the value and expertise that you can put into play for your clients uh, based on both local market expertise and then global expertise is incredibly important. Uh, and how you, how you collaborate well, bring a collective spirit and agility uh, is going to be really valued. Um, uh, by clients uh, in terms of what they expect and want from a security services provider. So the technology is important, um, but the, the way that you can actually make it happen through your people is going to be really critical. Um, what we've shown uh, through the recent uh, disruption and the upheaval of uh, the pandemic is that all of our normal business activity can continue to be delivered but I think the real pressing question is what about change and what about innovation? Um, uh, you know, it's one thing to work from home to just uh, keep all the settlement activity going. But when you've got to innovate, that's a different type of work. And working from home uh, is a lot harder to, to put that into play. Um, so we've been investing really heavily in our people uh, using global forums, um, a history of investment in positive management and design thinking. Uh, and my expectation is that that will that will drive a lot of continuous innovation now uh, in the ways that our clients expect us to be able to react irrespective of this period of upheaval. Uh, so we're really, really looking forward for uh, how those cracks will develop and create further opportunities uh, in terms of supporting our clients as they, as they look to do what they're trying to do in the market as well. Yeah, I would say that uh, we'll certainly see uh, a pre and a post COVID uh, a situation um, what was uh, impossible uh, yesterday become possible uh, what was um, uh, becoming uh, what was bureaucratic and administrative uh, become agile uh, and, and quick uh, and this was uh, based as mentioned by, by David based on the quality of our people uh, we are a tech industry but uh, more importantly we are a people industry and these are the people who are making the difference. And we saw that uh, days in and, uh, and days out for the last few months, we were able to settle record number of, of, of trade across the world and across Asia Pacific. We saw market uh, where our settlement activity was multiplied by six uh, uh, in, in few hours. And because of the technology, but also because of our people, we were able to uh, compliant with all our obligation vis-a-vis -vis our client, vis-a-vis -vis the market, without taking additional risk. And, and we believe that this is very important, and this is something we need to leverage, we need to learn on. We need to, to, to learn on what went well, what could improve in order to better operate uh, when the situation will be, uh, will be over. So... Um, it's very important for us not to be complacent, to believe that 
Uh, the world will come back to where it was. Our employee will have new expectations. Our clients will have uh, new needs and new requirements. And we saw for, for, for the last uh, few weeks and months, more and more uh, clients, bench, brokers, uh, looking at a new solution, new operating model, reassessing the operating model uh, to make sure that they get something which is reliable, rock solid, and scalable if they were to face the same situation uh, in the future. So uh, we see a lot of uh, new opportunity uh, coming uh, because and from this crisis as well. This has been Terry Flanagan with the Global Trading Podcast. We've been talking about the security services business and the future of the security services businesses. It was very pleased to have on David Braga and Luke Renard of BNP Paribas Security Services. Thank you for joining us, gentlemen. Thank you for having us, Terry. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for having us on the podcast.